You're on the Fiction Road. I'm writer Cheryl Alloway. Let's drive it together and find out what fictional saga is around the corners. Choose from a variety of genres that are crafted with one thing in mind, the love of the story. It's a much needed part of our day, more than ever, to lose the fast pace and settle down into a place where our minds can go to another place and another time. Join me as we explore the narrative world in podcast format. It's never been easier to entertain ourselves than podcast storytelling. So sit back, choose your story, and see what the fiction road has to offer. Thanks for stopping by, and enjoy your stay. The Fiction Road is powered by Anchor by Spotify. Music is provided by pixabay.com. You're at another stop on the Fiction Road. Welcome. Let's find out what happens here in the haunting tale, Black Mansion. Donovan wasn't sleeping for long before he heard something downstairs. His hands moved over to touch the spot his wife Veronica was usually lying in beside him. She wasn't there. The sound became louder, like a low humming. And as he walked out into the hallway, he could see a light beaming ever so slightly up the staircase from one of the rooms downstairs. As he walked down and rounded the corner of the 20-foot mansion stairwell, the sound was coming from the study to the left of the stairs. As Donovan walked to the room, he now blurted, Veronica, are you down here? His final steps brought him to the study where his eyes widened with fear and disbelief. There on the floor, on her knees, was his wife Veronica in a dazed state, just peering into the large study window that had a dusty light beaming through it, like someone had a spotlight on it from the outside. He now rushed to his wife, who was silent and just staring into the light. Ronnie, he would call her for short. Ronnie, what are you doing? She didn't respond. Donovan ran outside and saw nothing in the yard. He ran back into the house and into the study, and there was the light still beaming in from nowhere, seemingly. What the hell is going on? he said. In utter confusion, he shook her, not knowing what else to do. Veronica's face looked as though she were in a trance, and suddenly Donovan fell back beside her clumsily on the floor as she muttered the words, I'm here. I'm listening. But she wasn't talking to him. He now braced himself, clutching her in his arms. What? Who are you talking to? Ronnie! Ronnie! As he tried to shake his wife awake, in his mind he became terrified. And as quickly as he had found her, the light flashed off, making the room dark again, and his wife's head bobbed up and down, as if she suddenly woke up from her trance. Ronnie! 
Ronnie, are you all right? Sweetheart, talk to me. Veronica blinked her eyes open and shook her head just a little. She responded in a daze. What? Donovan, where are we? He took her face in his hands and stated, Are you all right? What was that? Were you sleepwalking? He was now trying to absorb what he had just seen, but held on to her and rocked her slowly in his arms on the floor. She had no idea what had just transpired. He just held on to her, and once he helped her back upstairs and safely to bed, he went back down to check the mansion's interior and grounds. He took his hunting rifle with him, right from the top of the fireplace. Donovan O'Sullivan had just seen his wife in a drugged light state sitting on the study floor with a beam of light on her that had come and gone like a ghostly apparition. His mind was racing with fear, confusion, and most of all, disbelief. He found nothing wrong and nothing mysterious anywhere, inside or outside. All he found was a peaceful moon looming over the Welsh mansion with the gentle sounds of crickets around him, feeling as though maybe he had been sleepwalking. He made his way back inside and up the winding staircase, crawled inside beside his wife, and finally fell asleep himself. The next morning, she acted as if nothing had happened. Donovan himself felt a bit bewildered and wasn't quite sure how to handle it all. Today, I'm finishing up the guest room, Donny. That beautiful mural must be kept intact on the south wall. I read at the Borough Museum that it was painted by the Duke's wife in 1903 for her daughter, Penelope. Isn't that magnificent? I bet you £10,000 that Jules knows all about it. I'm going to go and see her today. I need a few things anyway. Donovan sat eating his breakfast and sipped his tea. He just gazed at his wife, looking for some sort of acknowledgement of the night before. But nothing came. Uh, Veronica, how did you sleep last night, darling? She smiled with her beautiful face as she always did. Well, quite well, dear. How about you? That was it. Uh, Ronnie, do you remember us being in the study last night? Do you remember a light coming through the window? What? Donovan, <laughs> what are you talking about? You must be dreaming. Of course not. You come up with the most amazing things. I think this place and the renovations, the stories we've heard are all just making you think too much. Your imagination is quite something. He just sat there. Now, he wasn't sure of his own sanity. She was fine. He tried to shake it all off and thought to himself, maybe it was a dream. Maybe she was right. Maybe moving to a Welsh mansion with the name Black Mansion and all of the renovations that stirred up its history was at the root of it all. As she went upstairs in her work clothes to get at the spare room work, Donovan said, 
Okay, I'll be up in a minute. Uh, I'm just going to wash these up, darling. Veronica kissed him on the cheek and trotted off happily to follow their dream of renovating the mansion and opening it as a bed and breakfast. He shook his head and smiled finally, trying to just let it all go. As he left the kitchen, however, he stopped dead in his own tracks as he noticed what was standing in the corner of the front foyer hallway out of its normal place. There, hauntingly, was his hunting rifle he had thought he grabbed the night before. It was never off its mount over the fireplace. Donovan O'Sullivan looked down at the rifle with the hair on his arms standing up. He glanced up the stairs in the direction of Veronica and then back down. What was going on? Hesitantly, he held on to his disbelieving thoughts and let the day carry on. He didn't know what else to do. After a few hours, Veronica wanted to go into the town borough called Canterbridge Wells and look for a few decorating items at the Odds and Sods shop. It was run by a very knowledgeable elderly lady named Jules. She'd been collecting artifacts, old items from local estate sales, and was extremely open to chatting everyone up about them as her shop was beautifully done, with an array of decorative and historical items for anyone who was trying to create a sense of allure. Jules was quite in the know about the local history as well. She was a retired English teacher who had been quite kind and welcoming to the younger Scottish Veronica and Donovan as they worked on their dream of being historical bed and breakfast owners. Black Mansion was a beautiful old Welsh mansion, not too large in size, but just enough to house at least three vacationing families, if lucky, and its five acres of land was the perfect amount for the couple to landscape and make their own. It was a sense of pride. Veronica and Donovan just couldn't wait. She had inherited money from her family, and they both decided that a Welsh countryside life with an historical background was the way they wanted to go in life. As the squeaking wooden door to the odds and sods shop opened, there was Jules, with her silver hair in a bun, sitting quietly amongst the books, artifacts, decorative decor, and more. She had on Celtic music in the background, lightly, just to enhance her client's visit. It was charming. Well, good morrow to you both, <laughs> she said lightheartedly in an old world speak. Veronica loved it and pretended to curtsy to Jules. Well, good tidings to you as well, milady. <laughs> they chuckled together. Donovan smiled a bit pensively, still feeling his lingering odd sensations from the night before. Looking for something in a chair for the guest room, Jules. Anything you can suggest? Jules got up and sauntered with a tiny limp over to the section that held small furniture pieces. Follow me, my dear. I have just the thing for you. As she showed Veronica the old wooden chair she had in mind, Donovan noticed pictures on the walls, old portraits of people, places, properties, 
and as his eyes gazed with the voices of the ladies in the background, he was surprised to see a small painting of Black Mansion. Beside it was a portrait of a man and his wife and daughter. They were rough around the edges and only about three foot by three each. The colors were muted as they were obviously very old. The landscape of the mansion did still show the building in a Victorian type of landscape background with an elk off to the side and a very full set of trees painted in leading up the small road that still existed up to the mansion. The portrait was of the family with a man wearing his military pin and his wife standing proudly with their daughter in between them. She had a sweet face and her father's hand sat lovingly on her shoulder as her red locks of hair fell around them. Jules, are these uh, a black mansion, the family who lived there? He asked. She stopped talking and looked over. Oh, why, yes, they are. I almost forgot that they were there. It's a portrait of your mansion and the family indeed. Take it down, you can both have them. They'll go well within the mansion for your guests to see. Really? That's very kind of you, Jules, Veronica said. Then, as the day was getting near its end and Jules felt like talking, she offered them tea and they all sat down for the last half hour that the shop was open to chat. Donovan and Veronica welcomed it as Jules was an extremely interesting and knowledgeable lady. She began to tell them more about the history of the family who last owned the mansion that had since sat untouched owned by the town's historical society. They were very pleased to have sold it to the ambitious young couple who they knew would restore it and take care of it as it should be. The family, however, did have a very dark end to their history and so it was that Veronica and Donovan only knew some of it to date. That day, Jules was able to fill them in on much more as she held some of the town's oldest records in her shop as well. She pulled out a few things and they all got comfortable. Donovan was already thinking to himself, She is going to tell me something I don't want to hear. I can just tell. Jules began as she gazed over to the painting of the mansion. This black mansion you two have is a place of beauty, but strife. I hope this will not sway you, but I do believe there is much to share when it comes to its somber history. Veronica and Donovan were intrigued. When the last owners were gone, it was a relief to some, sadly, for he had done something very dark indeed. His wife was crippled in her final years, trapped in a wheelchair, the poor thing. She had fallen down the staircase and broken her back. Their only daughter, Penelope, was so saddened that she had gone quiet to the father, who seemed to deal with it all very badly. He needed help to keep the mansion, and so he hired a young lady to keep it clean inside while he maintained the exterior. 
The girl also took care of the wife and daughter, cooking meals, taking the young girl for walks. It was said that the daughter didn't take well to her though, and it was a constant struggle emotionally for them all. One day, it is said, the Duke fell from his wedding vows and had relations with the young girl. With his wife in a wheelchair and his daughter avoiding them, he began to lose his way and lost his attachment to his family. It was very sad indeed, they say. The story goes that the daughter found out and began to hate them both. She would threaten to tell the mother if it didn't stop, and she began becoming afraid of her father at that point. And the mother had mentioned it all in her diary near the very end. The father had told the daughter that if she mentioned a word to the mother, he would lock her in her room and not let her out. Oh dear, it was a very sad and dark thing that began to happen. These stories are told as rumours, but of truths found in the mother's diary, as I mentioned. Their eyes were wide as jewels had opened it to a very torn and mottled page. Not much could be read on some of the pages, but enough was there to back up some of what the town rumors had said. It was a very sad story, albeit in bits and pieces. Curiously, as Veronica noticed, some of the writing was not all the same, like it was written by two people. As the story continued, she listened intently to Jules. Eventually, they say the daughter did tell the mother, and the father heard them. It is said he became quite enraged, and, well, he he did the unthinkable. They say the pages in her diary once showed the phrase, He's going to kill us, I fear. But time has ravaged the full truth with papers distorted and disintegrating. He didn't. He killed them, Veronica queried. Yes, he apparently pushed the mother down the staircase that once harmed her in the first place, and then, oh my, it's it's hard to think about, but, well, he... It is said... He grabbed the daughter and tossed her, screaming and punching over the handrail. There, at the bottom of the staircase, in the large foyer, lay the two of them on top of each other. Oh, dear. Well, the man, they say, panicked, and he and his now lover packed their bags and just left them there, taking all of their money with them. They left only what they could not carry, it is said, for in the house even the furniture and the wife's clothing, some of it was was missing. Silver and anything of great value was also gone. Horrible, just horrible. And when no one 
had seen activity for a long time. They entered the mansion to find the corpses of the mother and daughter in the abandoned home. The Duke and his lover had disappeared, it seemed. Years later, no other family had laid claim to the property, and as the building was in very good shape and historically endowed, the town decided to keep it with the hope that they could sell it one day. The mother and daughter were given a funeral and laid to rest in the nearby cemetery. If you look, you will find their small tomb with the names. Now let me, let me look closer. Annabel Westinghouse and Penelope Westinghouse. Yes, the, the mother was 45 years old and the little Penelope was only 11 at the time of her death. My goodness, that is a tragic story to say the least, Jules. We knew someone had died in the house, but we didn't realise all of this about the father and all. I, I don't know what to say or to think about it. Donovan chimed in. Well, I do. It's going to make for some very uncomfortable nights until this all soaks in. Jules nodded to him. Yes, I would think so, dear, but believe me when I say that what you two have and the history behind it could actually draw people in to stay there. Believe it or not, many travellers thrive on this sort of story. Ironically, it may be advertising for you, as sad as we may believe it is. This sort of thing happened many times over in the days of old. Life, even for the wealthy, was not always what it seemed at first glance. A home like Black Mansion purveys a very well-to-do ideal image, and yet this is not how it always was. Well, the story did set their minds in motion for sure. But Donovan and Veronica were still not swayed. Donovan, however, was a little bit more pensive than ever. He had had an odd experience in the house one time too many for his taste, and he prayed nothing else unnerving would happen. His wish, however, did not last long. Three weeks went by and they had made progress on the final guest room that was once the young Penelope's. It was stunning, with Veronica's amazing touches and the large painted mural of the tree out back in a beautiful field with doves on its branches was the centerpiece in the little girl's room. Its colors were a bit damaged, but Veronica didn't care. It was beautiful to her. She framed it with an antique edging of wood to make it stand out almost like a wainscoting. Standing back, Veronica and Donovan gazed at the mural's beauty. As he looked over with a smile, Donovan's expression turned to concern quite suddenly, as his wife's face was again staring, this time into the painting as unusual as it was, almost like the night he found her in the study. He had to snap his fingers in front of her face to get her out of it. 
what? Uh, oh, um, sorry, dear. I, I just felt like I could hear the doves cooing and the wind blowing there for a moment. It's a very detailed piece. The mother must have been very talented before her accident. He took his wife's hands and turned her to him gently. That's enough for today. Let's enjoy the sunset and then get to bed, Ronnie. We've been working very hard. We're both exhausted. Okay, you're right. That does sound lovely. Let's get a glass of wine and sit out back. We've done this place proud. I think if we get the clean-up done on the drive up, we can start accepting guests. I'm so excited, Donny. Aren't you? Donovan replied pensively as usual. Why, of course. This is our dream. We've done it. They made their way downstairs, and as they walked, they could feel how the guests would. The entrance with its high ceilings, the dark wood banister, and its traditional warm red carpet leading up to the rooms, the wide double doors in the foyer that had long panels of glass on either side, the study off to the left with books and an old Victrola record player to play old music on while one read. There was a large dining room and a fireplace, a sitting room for smaller conversational moments and tea, of course. The kitchen with its high vaulted ceiling as well and enough space to cook for 30 people if needed. The name Black Mansion came from the dark earth that surrounded the building. It was some of the best garden soil around and they had made sure that even the outside of the pristine mansion was full of flowering plants. A small veg garden finished off the feel of it all. They would use it to make fresh salads and garnish for the meals they would prepare for their guests. It was ready, and so were Veronica and Donovan, as mysterious as their domicile had become to them. After a warm rest with their wine outside, they made their way back toward the summer doors to the study, as she turned to take one last look, Veronica suddenly stumbled and Donovan caught her as she saw something in the tree out back. It startled her and this time she had to shake her head in disbelief. Are you all right, love? Donovan asked. She looked up at him with a look of sadness. I, I think I am. I, I just thought I saw something. What? Where? He asked her. In, in the tree. It's nothing. She shook it off. It must be the wine. That's all it is. She chuckled to herself. Donovan wouldn't let it go this time. Ronnie, tell me what you saw. She looked up at him, sighed and said quite unnervingly, I... I thought I saw a girl sitting in the branches with her legs dangling down. It's probably the wine and the stories, just like Jules said. Oh, that's not something I wanted to hear. Ronnie, you have to know. That night I asked you about, you know, in the study. She looked up at him. Yes, what about it? 
You don't remember, but listen to me and please believe me. You were talking to someone, something, and I couldn't see it. There was a light in the window and it just disappeared once I started to shake you. You didn't remember a thing, but I took the rifle outside and looked around and found nothing. The next day, when you and I thought there was nothing but a dream going on, I noticed my rifle was still standing in the corner. He paused, and she was listening to him intently. Veronica, it was still standing there in the morning. Neither of us was dreaming. Something real happened that night. Now, with the stories Jules has told us and you just seeing what you saw, I don't think this is something to shrug off any longer. You said that night in the study that you were listening. Well, listening to what or who? Do you, do you think any of this may be real? You said I was talking to someone. There was a light. Veronica seemed to have more to say. Donovan's face went a bit white as she added, Donny, I, I didn't tell you this before because, frankly, I, I was feeling like I was maybe a bit off my rocker, uh, just playing into the stories and the mansion's allure. But, well, I, I experienced something in the guest room too, right after you snapped me out of staring at it. Well, tell me, Ronay, please, tell me everything. She lowered and raised her head again as the crickets were coming out and they weren't quite inside the doors of the study yet. Oh, I, I, I felt something earlier, in there, before we finished. I touched the tree with my hands, just admiring it, and I felt something. I, I, I thought I heard a voice behind me saying, Listen, I didn't know what to think, and then it was gone. Donny, it was a child's voice, a child's voice. Donovan was stunned, and he wondered if any of this was real. Were they losing their minds in some way? No, they, they were perfectly sane. Of course they were fine, but he responded to his wife with a tone of assurance nonetheless. We will go to sleep, and we will hope that this is just in our minds playing tricks on us. We've been enveloped in this place for a long time now. We're both very superstitious, it seems, and tired, and it's all been a lot for us to take in. Let's try to get some sleep, and if anything else happens, we need to tell each other, okay? Okay, you're right. I will. She looked back at the tree, and there was nothing more than the moon again. They took themselves upstairs and fell asleep with very tired minds, trying to be peaceful about it all. They both fell asleep, and seemingly everything felt normal within the mansion. But as the clock ticked downstairs and the night went on, Something happened again, and this time they were both about to experience it together. Donovan woke up again with a start two hours into the night. He didn't even have to think this time. 
He could hear Veronica and a voice coming from the guest room down the hall. He raced as fast as his half-awake legs could take him, grasping the walls to try and pull himself faster and faster. When he entered the room, Veronica was there, arms reached out with a ghostly pair, also reaching out to her from the painting on the wall of the tree. Oh my God, Veronica, he shouted. He rushed to her, pulling on her as his arms wrapped around her waist. The little arms that had a grip on Veronica's now gave way to a small face that dimly came through in a gray hue with a voice crying out, muffled as it was. Listen to me. It wasn't my father. It was the nanny. vortex closing in, it all ended, leaving silence, and the apparition disappeared into the wall. Veronica and Donovan fell to the floor in each other's arms. Veronica was softly crying. Donovan was in utter shock. She did. The nanny, Donovan. She killed them all. The stories weren't true. We need to go to the tree. For Penelope, we need to go to the tree. They raced together down the stairs, awake now, with hearts pounding. Donovan grabbed a shovel they had leaning outside, and the two made their way to dig frantically around the base of the tree in their sleepwear and bare feet. After their panicking minds and bodies became tired, they grasped on to what was happening. And then... Five feet only, deep into the soft black soil, Donovan spotted a human bone. And they got down on all fours, digging the ground with their hands and twigs, anything they could find. More bones. And then, oh my God, Rone, look. They found a skull and crammed ever so slightly to the side of the forearm bone was a pin. They looked at each other, pulled it out, and Veronica wiped it off with her fingers. It was seemingly the same pin that the Duke was wearing in the portrait at Jules's shop. They had to be sure. Quickly, Donovan raced back into the house and grabbed the portrait of the family. As they gazed deeply at the details with dirty hands and faces, they saw the same pin on the Duke. It was him. The nanny had killed them all and must have buried him to keep it as secret as possible before ransacking their home and taking flight. It was said that when they found the mother and daughter, there were large ruts in the ground from two sets of carriage wheels. Did she have an accomplice? The next day, they both rose to look out and see the dug-up ground under the tree 
and Donovan had made a call to Jules and the Historical Society. They also brought a police officer with them. After all, they had just found a body as old as it may be. Jules was astounded and had brought the diary with her. Veronica had mentioned the different handwriting, and as they looked together, she was right. Someone else had written in the diary. They all surmised that the haunting claim of the little girl's spirit was the lost truth. With the nanny making it look like it was the father, if she ever got caught, writing entries as if the mother was pained by his indiscretions, making him sound like the monster in the story, all the while a greedy young woman was the evil that took their lives. She must have used her time with the wife and daughter to plot her robbery and murderous escape. Seeing their vulnerability, she must have just taken advantage. She could have easily pushed the wife down the stairs in the wheelchair, and the daughter, even as most likely a spunky victim, could have been tossed over the railing as well. Once over, she would be plummeting to her demise. How she killed the husband will never be known. The theory of her having an accomplice would help, as she would have had to drag his body all the way to the tree and bury it. Jules wondered if it was her that was caught stealing, and once scolded with being fired, took her opportunity to cover it all up and get her revenge. Well, there was no way of knowing the exact details, but one thing was for sure. Little Penelope had needed someone to know that her father was not sinful as everyone said he was. Her tiny spirit could not rest, it appeared. As the sun rose three weeks later over the mansion, a car drove up to the rounded driveway in front of its now revamped facade. Out stepped a small family of four who was extremely excited to be the first guests in the Westinghouse mansion bed and breakfast. Veronica and Donovan found it to be a very fitting new name. It looked amazing, and they stood with pride as their first guests, with their wide-eyed faces, approached. Leading them into the foyer with their bags in tow, they noticed the portrait of the Westinghouse family right there as they walked in. Veronica smiled and said, Yes, the Westinghouse family it was a loving one. They are the reason we're so happy to welcome you here. We hope you enjoy your stay. As she led them up to their room, Donovan paused and glanced at the portrait once more as well. Now he saw a family who loved each other and a little girl who seemed more happy to him as he noticed her face. With no other episode occurring in the mansion to date, he felt deep inside that the Westinghouse spirits must now be at peace. The next day, while they served their guests breakfast, they had a great conversation about what was offered in the area and the family was so excited. 
as they walked back in with dishes in their hands to the kitchen and smiles on their faces, Veronica and Donovan heard the son and daughter whisper to the mother, and they almost dropped what they were holding. Mummy, can we play with the little girl from next door? We saw her this morning out back, skipping around the tree. Her parents must have called her, because when we waved at her, she just left down the path into the shrubs. Maybe we can meet her later? Oh, that would be fine. But let's explore the town first. We'll enjoy our day and maybe we can meet the neighbours later. Come on, Tommy. Maybe she can play with you later. Donovan and Veronica looked at each other, pursing their lips together so as not to let their guests hear their gasps. Oh, God, no. I did not just hear that, Donovan said. Veronica's face froze, and she stated the obvious. Oh, Donny, we don't have any neighbours. That's the ending to this episode and stop on the Fiction Road. Please visit again for another story in another place and another time.